Well, as part of our regular Sunday evening service, we want to hear what God is doing in the ministries here at First Baptist Church. Uh, we call this, we're going to call this our ministry reports, uh, but really what it is is people coming and sharing and testifying of how God has used the ministries of First Baptist Church in their life or how they've seen God use the ministries in someone else's life. And so tonight we're going to be focusing on our small group ministries. And so we're going to have uh, Julie Konexny and Sharon Kidd come and share uh, a testimony of how God has been at work in, in our Sunday school and in, in our uh, small group settings. And then after that, uh, we're going to have Paul Case and Aaron Davis come and pray for those ministry reports. Because we, we know that the only way that we can accomplish any ministry that's worthwhile here at First Baptist Church is by God being at work and blessing uh, and using uh, this time uh, that we share together. So at this time, we're going to have Julie and Sharon come, and then Paul and Aaron will come and uh, pray for them following. Good evening. So I find it ironic that I was asked to represent, um, I'm in Jim Culp's um, small group Sunday school class because I was in the same Sunday school class for 20 years with my husband as a teacher and in teen land as I like to call it. So I was so excited this last um, fall when I got to pick my own Sunday school class. I felt like a kid again. But <laughs> uh, so um, one of the reasons I chose um, Jim's class as I talked to him and he said he really wanted to make it like a Bible uh, like a college level class and I really I enjoyed that because I went to Bible college and kind of missed that deep learning um, nothing against my husband he did a great job <laughs> um, but um, I just was really interested in James as well I've been listening to some podcasts in the summer on James and and the pastor that I was listening to called it street level Christianity and I just was really challenged by that so um, our small group right now, our Sunday school class, has um, ages 18 to 80, and so we are very diverse, and it's just a beautiful, beautiful thing. In our diversity, we are learning much. We have much to learn from each other as we study James and we do deep dives into scripture. Um, he doesn't assume that we know anything, which is great, because he's always asking us, what does this mean? What does this mean? Um, so I really appreciated that. Um, he's loosely using um, Pastor Newcoop, who some of you will know, um, some of his studies, and so um, it is rich in scripture. Um, some of the benefits of just Bible study and open discussion um, are that it's, the application was useful to all of the stages of life, and we're definitely seeing that in our group. Um, anything, everything we're studying, James, it's applying to whatever stage of life we are in, and obviously we have many stages represented in our group. Um, there's just a diversity in age, background, and spiritual growth and walks. Um, there's a cultivating of care and community through prayer and the closeness of a small group format, and that's been really sweet for me. Um, my husband's a fan of saying that we need to study our spouses, but I think we should be studying our church because the church is ever-changing and growing and maturing, and it's at different places. And so um, I put myself in a group so I could study my church more, and I'll be doing other groups later, so I'm excited to learn, be a learner of my, a student of my church. Um, also, learning to listen to each other, um, because we do have much to learn from each other. So some of the things we've been doing in James are purpose of testing and trials, um, how to handle temptation and sin, how God's word helps and influences our everyday lives, 
and the power of the tongue. That's a big one. Um, so I want to just leave you with James 3, 17 through 18. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Thank you. You can tell I'm old school. <laughs> She's got the, I, I, the, whatever it is, and I've got pencil and paper. So I've only got four pages here, so I won't be too long. Um, um, I'm talking tonight about small study Bible groups. Um, and for whatever reason, um, I have never been involved in a small study Bible group. Isn't that terrible? I don't know whether I was too busy or I don't know whether someone just thought I knew it all and didn't care to invite me, but anyway, I was never involved in a home studying with a, a, a group of ladies uh, about the Bible. And so this, about three months ago, Lydia called and asked if I would like to be in a small group with her, and I jumped at the chance. I was just so delighted because after being confined for so long, it's kind of nice to get out to, and be with a group of ladies. And through that, uh, we've been studying First Peter and Jude and about what the church looks like and what Christ expects the church to look like, and we have learned so much. Um, I have been blessed in so many ways. And I think that um, small Bible study groups are something that we should all really consider. Um, first of all, I think it's so important that in this day and age where we are suffering so many things, that we need the love and support and encouragement of anyone that walks the same walk we walk. And so in our small study group, there are eight of us ladies, and I must confess that they're all young, but I'm, I'm, I'm the most mature one, but I keep telling them I'm just a kid, so I belong too. Um, um, we build strong relationships, sometimes with people we know fairly well and those we know in passing. But Lydia was the only one I knew so well in our group, so it's brought me great joy to get to know the other ladies and share in their lives. And I love it when Lydia sends a text or she addresses us in an email. She always says, Sisters in Christ. Now, if that isn't a little tag that tells you that you belong, I don't know what is. And it always makes me smile and always gives my heart a warm feeling. Next, the Bible study challenges us to go deeper into God's word by reading and seeking to find the meaning of the scripture. And that's so important. Uh, Sometimes we read the scriptures and we just read them. I know lots of us go through the, the Bible in a year, you know, and read the chapters. And sometimes I think that uh, we miss so much unless we have our own uh, individual devotions and have the opportunity to do this. And some of the questions that we have been faced with have just been really mind-boggling. We've really had to dig and search. The third thing that I've really enjoyed and has meant so much is the burdens and prayer needs are shared every Tuesday and we have about a half an hour in prayer just for those prayer needs. But through the week, if, uh, if one of us has a need or whatever, we post it and right away, the ladies in our group say, I'm praying for you, I'm stopping right now to pray. And that is so great in lifting us up. 
What a great thing to feel that you are being prayed for at that very minute when you really feel the burden that's there. And, and most importantly, I, they are such great times of encouragement. Often words are shared during the meeting of encouragement of things that we're going through and we share and someone will say, well, I went through this, maybe this will help. But lots of times through the week when one's having a devotion or reading a scripture, it will click and they will post it and say, I think we all need to think about this. And it's just a real encouragement through, um, through the week. And then a great support group is of trust and loving and learning and concern is formed. It's just been the, one of the greatest blessings that I've had in so long. And I've, and I've thought about it a lot. I don't know why I haven't been involved in a small group study, but I think sometimes if we're, we, we were always in a small church till we came to First Baptist Church. And I think sometimes we get to know people on the fringe and we think that we know them better than we do and we don't ask them to come in to our homes or into our groups and be part of that. And I think that we need to be really alert that everybody has a need. So I think that one of the things that would be very important would be that we be very conscientious about small, small in-home groups because it really is, Sunday school is wonderful and great, but it is so, gives you such a sense of belonging to be in a home or homes with a Bible study. Um, so I think that um, if you're interested in having a small group or belonging to one, you should let Pastor Chad know and he'll fix you up. Um, but one of the things that has always been important to me is encouraging one another. And I, through the small Bible study groups, it's been such a blessing to be able, especially when you're going through hard times and you have great needs, that those ladies are there for you. And one of the verses that I had read today was Romans 1.12, and it says, For I long to see you, that I am, may impact to you some spiritual gift, so that you may be established. And isn't that what we're supposed to do, is help our, our fellow Christians to be established in the word? That I may be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith of you and me, and sharing and loving and growing together is one of God's greatest blessings. Let's pray. Father, we come to you this evening praising you. You are just and true, only you are holy. We praise you, O God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who chose us before the foundation of the world to be holy and without blame before you. You called us to be saints together with all those who call upon your name. Your Son gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age. And you gave us your Spirit to teach us all things. Your Word says that giving instruction to a wise man makes him wiser still. You declare in your Word that reverence for you is the beginning of wisdom and that knowledge of you is insight. Lord, you have brought us together as a church to accomplish your purpose in this world, in this community, and in this local body of believers. An important ministry within the church is the small group Bible study. You bring us together to examine your word that we may rightly divide the word of truth. You bring us together so we may walk in the light and have fellowship one with another and with Christ Jesus and the Father. 
You bring us together to bear one another's burdens and thus fulfill the law of Christ. You bring us together to encourage each other by our faith. Tonight we lift in prayer the small group ministries, the adult Sunday school classes, the men's and women's Bible studies, and the Sunday night Bible studies. Lord, you know there are leaders who experienced personal difficulties, significant health issues, or tragedies in the recent past, and yet continue to faithfully minister to others. Lord, I ask your hand on the small group leaders. I ask that you bless them for their ministry among us, that you would continue to fortify them in faithfulness as they prepare each week. I pray that you would grant them wisdom as they guide discussions that can touch on issues that can be difficult, and I ask that you help them to facilitate discussion without dissension, and that you help them continue to be sensitive to the needs of the group. I pray that you make known to them in a personal way that they are in your care. I pray tonight for Pastor Chad, who as a shepherd of this local flock, has overall responsibility for small group ministries, and Lord, I ask that you impart to him the strength and wisdom required to guide this program in a way that honors you and meets the needs of this local body. I pray tonight specifically for the adult Sunday school small group leaders, Russ and Dawn Benson, Dave Kastner, Dee Chapman, Jim and Joan Culp, Dean and Marcia Feldposh, John and Sherry Kresge, John and Karen Leaf, Kent and Jenny Schaefer, and Aaron and Nicole Stein. I pray for Chris and Sarah Bauk and Rick and Sheila Robbie as well, who care for Dean Feldposh's group while you perform a miracle in his life. I pray also for the leaders of the other various small group studies and thank you for the commitment of these leaders and for their willingness to serve others. Tonight I pray for members of the small groups. I know that deeply personal questions, concerns, and issues come up during small group, things that someone may not share in a larger setting. Small group members come together to minister in a meaningful and tangible way to those in their midst who have spiritual, emotional, or physical needs. With the love and support of our leaders and fellow group members, we grow in our knowledge of you. I pray you would work in every heart in small group ministries to grow a yearning to know you in a deeper way and to open members' eyes to ways that they can minister one to another. Finally, Lord, I pray for those not involved in small group ministry. I ask that you lay upon their hearts a desire to consider these ministries to see how they could become more deeply involved in the lives of their fellow believers in this way. Thank you, Father, for small group ministries, for those who lead them, and for those who participate. I pray that you would continue to work through these ministries in the lives of our fellow believers and that these small groups would continue to edify, renew, and strengthen the saints of this church for the task of furthering your kingdom. In the name of our precious Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, amen. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to say holy is your name. Thank you that we are here in your presence, and I pray that your kingdom come and your will be done today and throughout 2022. We thank you, God, for creating the heavens and the earth, and that your spirit was there too. Lord, we thank you for creating humans in your image. Thank you, Father, for allowing the Lord Jesus to work together with you in creation. For as we read in Colossians, that by him all things were created and held together. And we thank you for the Lord Jesus and his gift of salvation. 
that you chose us even before creation to be holy and blameless in your sight. And then in love, you chose us to be adopted as your children and for the redemption that comes through the blood of the Lord Jesus, that he is alive and risen, seated at your right hand and praying for us as the author of our faith. Father, I pray that myself and everyone here would honor one another above ourselves and bear with each other, since all people are created in your image, and that the two greatest commandments are to love God and to love people. Father, give us compassion for people and especially for the lost. Lord, bless the small group ministries and Pastor Chad as he speaks tonight. Amen. Well, I hope you are as excited about these Sunday night services as the leadership teams are. Through, through my 20 years of being involved in ministry here at First Baptist Church, one of the challenges and sometimes criticisms that we've faced because of the size of our church uh, is that sometimes it's really hard to get to know people. And I think the testimonies that we heard tonight are just a beautiful example of how God wants to work in and through us. And, and really, that's what we also desire this uh, Sunday evening setting to be. A chance for us to gather together, a chance for us to uh, reflect upon the goodness of God, a chance for us to look at his word together. Uh, and, and, you know, perhaps uh, this can be the opportunity that that even as Sharon alluded to in her testimony of, uh, of sometimes you can just reach out and, and say to somebody, hey, have you thought about joining us on our Sunday night services? Uh, it's a really fantastic time for us to get to know one another. And, and perhaps it can be the, that thing that helps somebody to break in uh, and to feel truly at home uh, in this body uh, of believers. So one of the things that uh, we're, we're talking about is, is the family life of us here uh, in the body of Christ. Uh, and, and sometimes it's difficult for us to develop those meaningful relationships. But as believers in Christ, God has clearly called us to gather together and to develop relationships that are supernatural. They're foreign to the outside world because they cannot happen without the power of the Holy Spirit at work in us. In fact, the church should have these kinds of relationships that only happen through the power of the Holy Spirit working in and through us. And so that's why we're so excited to study these one another's of Scripture together. And tonight, I'm excited to speak on our call to love one another with brotherly affection. So I encourage you to open your Bibles with me to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12 is actually one of my favorite chapters in all of the Bible. Uh, and we're going to be specifically looking at verses 9 through 10. But if you don't have a specific Bible study that you're doing in your own personal devotions, I would encourage you to spend some time this week just looking through the rest of Romans chapter 12 uh, and taking a deep dive and meditating on the words that you find there. Uh, it, it is a, a very powerful passage of Scripture. And, and in fact, I, I suppose I could just preach on the rest of the chapter tonight and, and when thinking about brotherly love, just direct you to Pastor Tim's message or the portion of that this morning where he dealt with that. Uh, and, and, and we could call it a night. Um, but again, I'm, I'm actually amazed at how God orchestrates some of these things. I, I, it, 
we have an opportunity tonight for what I like to call layered learning, where we hear something and then we hear something again from a little bit different perspective. Um, we didn't plan it this way, but it's a beautiful thing that, that the passage of Scripture that Tim landed on this morning really talked a great deal about what we're looking at together tonight. So let's read together in Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 10. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. You see, we always want to understand the Bible in the context of the chapter and the book. And in much of Paul's writings, we see him develop this theme where he'll go into a deep theological background dive in the first part of his books. And then in the second half of his books, he'll dive into the practical theology, how we should put these principles into practice. And in Romans 12, we're in the practical application portion of this letter. In fact, the chapter starts with these familiar verses. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And so we have this context of Christians are supposed to be different. And before our, our verses in, in verses 9 and 10, Paul is giving some instructions about some of the specifics gifts that Christians have. But then beginning in verse 9, Paul essentially gives us a litmus test of a true believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Many Bibles actually have this section labeled the mark of a true Christian or, or genuine love or, or love in action. And as Pastor Tim reminded us this morning, as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, we must be different. In the early church, however, just like now, people struggled with selfishness, with dying to self. And so perhaps some were, were asking Paul, so how? How should we be different? And so led by the Holy Spirit, Paul tells us how, as believers in Christ, we are to be different. In fact, one theologian calls verses 9 through 13 the basic characteristics of effective Christian living. When you boil it all down, he says, this is what the Christian life truly must be embodied by. And it's notable that Paul begins this section of telling us what Christian life is supposed to be like. He begins this section with love. Just like when Paul is listing the fruit of the Spirit, he begins that list with love. And, and he's not talking just specifically about a general idea of love. We're challenged that our love must be genuine. In Matthew 12, verses 33 through 35, we read this. For the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. The good person, out of the good treasure, brings forth good. And the evil person, out of his evil treasure, brings forth evil. Jesus teaches his disciples that, that what's going on on the inside is going to pour out of our mouths. It's going to pour out of our lives. And so genuine love must not speak out of both sides of its mouth. Instead, out of a heart that is committed to Christ, out of a heart that is so enamored and in love with our precious 
Savior, we should be bringing forth good to those around us. And that should look like genuine love. There's a song that the church has sung for generations, taken directly from the verses that Pastor Tim preached on this morning. They'll know we are Christians by our love. They'll know that we are Christians by our love. And and the church united has sung that boldly for generations. But all too often, our mantra in today's culture is, they'll know we're Christians because I can argue and prove that I'm right. Sometimes we're, we're more concerned with proving that we're right about some theological thing rather than loving someone and helping them to see their need for Christ. In our attempt to hate what is evil, we must be careful not to hate those who are doing evil. Don't get me wrong, this passage is very clear. We must hate what is evil. But we have to make sure that we're not getting so caught up in hating what is evil that we are hating those people who are caught up in evil. It's so easy for us to be horrified and disgusted by the sin that we see going on in the world. It is a world that is contrary to God's word. It is a world that is opposed to God's will. But the reality is, it's so easy for us to forget the grace of God. Because without the grace of God, that would be me. That world that we hate, without the grace of God, that would be you. And it's easy for us to think, oh, but their sins are are so terrible. We forget that our sin is just as heinous and grievous to the righteous and holy creator of all things. On social media and in, and in real life right now, many Christians are, are constantly attacking and taking shots at one another. You know, perhaps there, there are those that are, that are not theologically along the same lines as we are. We do disagree about some things. But we should be able to have conversations about what we truly believe is the right and true understanding of God's word without attacking we shouldn't, we shouldn't have conversations that are devoid of love. Even if we are disagreeing with another brother in Christ. See, we have to understand that, that we are desperately in need of the grace of God every day of our lives. Just like that brother or sister in Christ who may be mistaken. They may be actually theologically wrong. But we still need to live with brotherly love toward one another. In Isaiah 40, in verses 10 and 11, we see a beautiful description of God's strength and majesty, his power juxtaposed with his love. In Isaiah 40, verses 10 and 11, it says, Behold, the Lord God comes with might, and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his recompense is before him. Man, such a powerful description of our God. But then that continues, and it says, He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those who are with young. Our holy God perfectly displays righteousness and judgment and authority, but he also displays his genuine love toward his creation. 
his righteousness and holiness and his genuine love are two sides of the same coin. And as his children, we must strive to reflect his definition of love, not our own. So what does genuine love look like? I think verse 10 tells us. It says, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. In, in this chapter, these are, these are two uh, of a great list of responsibilities that, that Paul gives us when we're in the family of God. Things that should distinctly mark us as believers in Christ. And Tim did a great job of explaining this morning that, that he's also not giving us some kind of new command to love. In fact, it is an old command. But instead, he's telling us that there's a different kind of love, a love that can only happen because Christ Jesus is now in us. And we are called to be different. The kind of love being described here is supernatural, empowered by the Holy Spirit, and completely impossible. Aside from the love of God boiling up inside of us, and flowing out to others. And, ju- and, 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 and Paul uh, describes it using familiar, familiar, familial language. Familiar, familial language. It, it, I don't know why I wrote that down. I, I knew I was never going to be able to say that properly. But there it is. Familiar, familial language. It, we should be familiar with this because all of us can relate to this family language that is used here. It talks about brotherly love. I was going to talk about sisterly love, and and later we're going to talk about brotherhood and sisterhood, but the only sisterhood I could think of was sisterhood of the traveling pants, and I don't even know what that is, but it probably doesn't sound good. But there's something special about about the brotherhood, and we can relate to that. It's not just our culture that, that supersedes all culture. There's still a reason that we use that kind of language to convey the type of commitment and devotion that Paul is talking about here. So let's think about brotherhood for just a moment. Our actual brothers. I don't know what it was like for you growing up, but I fought some with my brothers. But I fought even more fiercely against anyone who opposed my brother. I would fight my brother tooth and nail on something. And then if somebody else said something about my brother, I would fight them even harder because I'm going to stand with my brother. Or perhaps the analogy of, of military or, or, or police, they, they use these terms band of brothers because more than just the bond of, of blood, there's this commitment to one another that, that we're going to stand side by side against a common enemy. And so we, we call that a, a brotherhood. Even in the sports world, we use this language. It doesn't matter what sport you might be watching. You might see two athletes from the opposite teams competing fiercely against one another. And then at the end of the game, no matter who won and no matter who lost, they dab one another up and they say, good game, brother. There, there's something special about calling someone brother. And we've used that language in the church for generations. There's, there's something to me, special, about greeting somebody in the foyer and saying, hey brother, how you doing? There's this connection that, that we are together in the family of God. And brotherly love is a beautiful depiction of God's calling for us to live a life of love that, that displays sacrifice, 
and commitment. But our verse also tells us that that kind of love has a mortal enemy. Pride. These verses contrast our propensity of our fallen, sinful human nature toward attention-seeking behavior, the me-first attitude that is so common that we all have to fight against. So Paul tells us, you must outdo one another in showing honor. That's what it means to have brotherly affection, to have brotherly love for others. Outdo one another in showing honor. One-upsmanship is so common in our culture, but for all the wrong reasons. And Paul says, Christians, we should be known for one-upping one another and outdoing one another in love. We shouldn't be so quick to honor ourselves, but instead we are to be quick to show respect, to acknowledge the accomplishments of others, be quick to demonstrate genuine love by not being jealous or envious, because those things have no part in love. We should be serving one another. Think back on Tim's message as Jesus demonstrated what that truly looks like, washing the disciples' feet. Such a beautiful picture for us that our Savior demonstrates that's true love. Instead, we should be humbling ourselves. Instead, we should be striving to see that God is at work in other people's lives and honoring that. Instead of exalting ourselves, we need to humble ourselves and exalt the Lord Jesus Christ and exalt our brothers and sisters in Christ. In a nutshell, Paul reminds us that Christians are supposed to be different from the world around us. And one of the number one ways that we're supposed to be different is we're supposed to love with a genuine love by hating what is evil, holding fast to what is good, and loving one another with a brotherly affection, and outdoing one another in showing honor. So what about us? Even that question can reveal a lot about where our hearts are. We can ask that question in two very distinctly different ways. We could say, well, what about us? Why doesn't anybody care what I think? What about us? Why doesn't anybody care about my feelings? They're not doing the things the way I want them to. Do they not understand? What about me? What about us? That's one way we can ask that question. Or we can ask ourselves, well, well what about us? How are we doing as a church? How are we doing in, in showing honor toward others? How are we doing in, in demonstrating genuine love to others? How are we doing in serving the people around us? Better yet, we can ask that question of ourselves individually. What about me? Would I say that my life is characterized by genuine love? Do you say that, would you say that your fellow believers, you love them with a brotherly affection? Do you love them as a sister in Christ? Do you love them all that way or just the ones that are like you? Do you love them all that way or just the ones who like the same sports teams as you or have the same political views as you? Or the ones who have the same idea of how church should work. The ones who have the same convictions and preferences that you do. Are you more concerned about how your church will meet your needs? Or are we more concerned about outdoing one another 
and showing honor. We have a beautiful opportunity as a body of Christ to reflect the love of Christ in all that we do. So if all of us as individuals in Christ would seek to apply these two simple verses to our lives, our church would be amazingly blessed. We would be so blessed that it would overflow into the lives of our community and to the ends of the earth. Because we would understand how the gospel has changed me and how it changes you. And then we would live our lives in light of that gospel, showing genuine love, outdoing one another, and showing honor. And all around us would be impacted by the transformational power of Jesus Christ and his gospel. It's almost as if that has been God's plan all along. I am so thankful to be part of a church where we understand this. We can always get better. But my challenge for us is simple. We need to constantly be asking ourselves, so brothers, how will we love one another with brotherly affection and outdo one another in showing honor for the glory of God? If we do that, God will be greatly glorified in our midst. Now tonight we're not going to have a closing song, so in just a moment I'm going to close this in prayer, and at that time I'm going to also pray for the food and fellowship uh, that will continue in the gymnasium. And my hope is that as we continue from here and continue in, continue in fellowship uh, to the gymnasium, that, that we would put some of these things into practice. Put these one another's of Scripture into practice and to see how we can show genuine love and outdo one another in showing honor and brotherly affection. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this beautiful body of believers. Thank you for the, those that know Christ, young and old. I thank you for the testimonies that we heard tonight. And, and Lord, I pray that you would honor our requests and prayers and praise that we have made. Father, we want our ministries to honor you. We desire to see individual lives changed by the gospel. And we desire to be used in the life of one another. Thank you, Lord, that you have called us to this great calling of displaying your love to the world around us. Father, for those times that we fail, we commit to accomplish only what you can do through us through the power of your Holy Spirit. We know that we are going to fail, but Father, we want to obey you. So we ask for your strength to do that. And Father, we pray that as we walk with you, that you would use this church, that you would use us as individuals greatly for your kingdom, both here in St. John's and our community and to the ends of the earth. And now, Father, as we continue in fellowship together, we ask that you would bless our time of fellowship and food. We thank you for the good and precious gifts that you give us. We thank you for these families that are here to gather. And we ask, Lord, that even our fellowship time would be glorifying and pleasing in your sight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's continue on to fellowship in the gymnasium.